Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, we speak with Christina Salcianu about what led her to set up and run Advent for Change. We speak about the support that this gives to charities, the journey that Christina embarked upon to get where she is today, and what charities can learn from it. This episode covers some areas that we've covered before, but acts as a solid reminder that driving change comes with some costs and yet can galvanise others in such a way that brings a great deal of satisfaction to all. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, fundraising platform Work For Good and the festive small business star match funding campaign. This year there's a £50,000 match funding pod available head to www.workforgood.co.uk to sign up for free. I really enjoyed my chat with Christina, and I'm sure you will too. So without further ado, here is Christina Salciani speaking to me about Advent of Change. I'm delighted to be joined today by Christina Salciani. Christina, welcome to Charity Chats. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. I know this is a very busy time for you. So my first question to you, Christina, what is your background and what has led you to found Advent of Change? So my background is very, very varied. Um, I sort of stumbled into what I'm doing now, to be honest. I don't feel like I have, uh, I had adequate preparation as such. But um, I'm very, very lucky to be doing what, what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I, I love it. So um, I started working in property in London when I was really young. Um, and then I moved out of London, moved to the Midlands, um, and I started working in marketing. Um, and I'm just one of these, um, like, entrepreneurial spirits, like I guess, like as cheesy as that sounds. I've always got, like, I think right now I've probably got 30 domains on one, two, three reg that I was just still like, I'll do something with that one day. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just always uh, sort of on the lookout for, for things and, you know, got ideas all the time. And um, it was, remember that first year where advent calendars were just going nuts? It was like, in one year, it went from chocolate and, you know, a picture to suddenly there was like whiskey, there was cheese, there was pork scratchings. I think like... Greg's did like a sausage roll Jesus calendar or something like, <laughs> really? like everything. Wow. And um, it was just, I started looking for an advent calendar that year, thinking, oh, this is exciting. And um, I was looking for something that was charitable. I just thought it would exist. Um, and I couldn't find anything that worked in the way that I would have expected it to work. Like I, I couldn't find, never mind charitable, I actually couldn't find anything ethical I couldn't even find like a fair trade calendar or a free calendar or you know like anything there was nothing that ticked any of the boxes um and I sort of thought like I I think this could be quite a good idea like I think I might have to give this a go like once I realized that I thought I might be onto something and obviously it it would be charitable um I thought I I feel like I'm taking money away if I don't like give it a go because I think there's just a real opportunity here um, and so I started and, um, you know, I reached out to like some contacts that, you know, like I, I knew a, a printer and I worked in a marketing agency, you know, I sat everyone down and said like, fancy doing some free work for me, please. <laughs> and, um, you know, lots of people like helped and, you know, with the design and stuff like that. 
And um, then I just thought, you know, I'll put a bit of my own money in, I'll create a few calendars, I'll set up a just giving and I'll, you know, flog some to my friends and family who are like willing to get them. Um, and it just snowballed and snowballed. Um, you know, I um, I started getting charities on board and, you know, I was so naive. I, I didn't know anything. I'd never worked in charity before. I didn't know anything about anything. And so I just assumed, well, you know, if you're fundraising, you can just use a charity logo, like no problem. Why would they mind? Um, obviously you can't do that. And for good reason, actually, because there's so much at, at stake, you know, with, with the way they're represented and stuff mm. like that. I, I get that now. Um, but at the time, you know, nobody wanted to be part of this. And I was so, you know, everyone thought it was like a scam. Um, cause I was just going, hi, do you want some money? I'm creating an advent calendar. Um, and so, what, you know, what were, they, what were those conversations like Christina? Cause I I've been on the other side of it. I've worked in charities where we've been approached by people that are really keen to do something for us, but then maybe the idea is not completely understood or understandable, or it, you know, then, then we kind of need to almost kind of dampen the hopes a little bit by talking about some of the the need for commercial participation agreements and all that kind of stuff were you were you kind of confronted with that kind of conversation yeah almost immediately and it was really disheartening and um initially I sort of thought oh well you know they don't get it but then once you've had like five six seven of those conversations you start to think maybe I need to adapt a little bit here because I'm not getting anywhere um, and so, you know, I just became more professional about it because initially I, I just didn't know. So, you know, I put together a presentation, I got some branding made up. I started, you know, having phone calls, talking people through things. Um, I reached out to anyone I knew that worked in charities and said, like, what is this CPA that they keep telling me no because of? And, you know, just finding stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually we got some quite big charities on board. I think one of the first ones um, that we got on board was like Great Ormond Street. Oh, wow. And then we- and then we've got Willow and then we've got Born Free. Um, and they were so lovely. You know, Willow, we, we you know, we, we still work with today. Then, you know, the first lot of health I got was from them. I remember I didn't know how to set it up. And they were like, well, why don't you talk to our finance team? And, you know, we'll help you out and oh, we'll wow. okay. give you some advice, which was so yeah. nice of them to do. And um, so, yeah, from then it became a bit easier. Once mm. you got a couple of the big names, like it, it then became much easier to say, well, like these guys are doing it. And um, at that point, I was just happy to sign any agreement. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, send me an agreement. I'll sign it. You know, it, it's fine. You're a charity. You're nice. You know, you're <laughs> you're not going to do anything wrong about it. So luckily that worked out because I have no idea what I signed in that first year. <laughs> I four of them. And they must have all been very different. <laughs> um, but from then it just kind of snowballs. We got our charities on board. Um, and then um, we actually started to get some endorsements. I, I basically was trying to reach out to anybody that I could to give us some some support because I was very wary that as a, a new organization, especially when you're fundraising, mm-hmm. um, you need that like um, seal of approval sort of thing because people are quite rightly going to be very wary of parting with their cash sure. and you know, knowing where that's going. So we did a few things for that reason. So um, we work with a company called Haynes Watts, who are an accountancy, and they've been our pro bono accountants for four years now. And they helped us set everything up. So, you know, things like tax, VAT, like the way that the company was set up, I was really clear that I wanted it to be a nonprofit. 
Mm. But I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't want anyone to have any questions over like personal gain. And I didn't I didn't want there to be a conflict either. I didn't want it to be like, well, we could do this product that makes us money or this product that's for charity. Like the whole mm. point was that it was for charity. And sure. but I didn't know how to set that up. And obviously it's it was just me. It still is just me. And so um we were very limited resource-wise. So um I initially had it set up as just a limited company and then we actually disregarded that and we set it up um, as limited by guarantee. So basically I'm not a shareholder. Nobody is a shareholder. Um, there is no gain to be had. And I, the, the main thing is that I can never sell advent of change. Um, right. So I can only ever give it away for free. Sure, um, so sure. you know, if I find that, you know, my days are over, I can pass it on to somebody, but I can't make money in that process. Um, okay. And there can't ever be like a share value or anything like that. So it just means that we've like eliminated all of those things. But at the same time, it's like impossible for us to become a charity. Mm. It's so, so hard. Um, and because of the work that we do, we're not at the stage yet where we have to. And so it's a really hard one. It's, I mean, you'll know. Probably does that, better does that cause you issues, though? Because, I mean, in a sense, my understanding is that you're you're working for charities you're almost supplying charities with donations right so would there be benefits to you guys becoming a charity um not really um because we don't make profit like the amount of profit that we make is so minimal that corporation tax isn't a thing for us you know that that doesn't affect us um and it's just we'd have to do everything twice and we just don't have the resource to do it you know Mm. we'd have to do like two lots of accounts two like like it's just not something that we can, from a resource point of view, set up. Um, and right now, I think also because, you know, we've had some great press, we've got a few years under our belt, all of our charities, you know, always get their full donations. There's, you know, there's lots of precedent there now. There's no need to like prove that, if, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, so the the benefit hasn't yet outweighed sort of the issues that that come with it. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, five years from now, I would like to think that we will be a charity. It's just getting to that point when we hit the button, because there'd be so much to restructure that right now, you know, like it is still just me. So, for example, like getting three trustees, like where would I find those? You know, there's just so much that goes into it. Explain a little bit more around the kind of the, so how does it work? What do the calendars look like? And, and what is that kind of, uh, when someone buys the calendar, how does then that, that benefit charities? So we have a whole range of products this year. Um, we have calendars, we have crackers, and um, we have candles, and we have a very pretty, if I may say so myself, um, new bauble um, this year. Nice. They all work in a similar way. Um, so essentially in buying the product, you've already made a donation to the charity supported by that product. Um, the smallest amount of charities supported by a product is 10, that's our bauble, um, and the largest amount is 24, which is our advent calendars and our advent candle and our crackers, actually. So each purchase supports so many different charities, and we try and make sure that we use the products to not only fundraise, but also to kind of like celebrate and encourage introductions to those to those charities. Mm. Um, because we support so many charities, you know, we've raised now over half a million pounds for charities since we started. Wow, that's amazing. Um, but there's like, a, that's like hundreds of charities that we've supported. So we're never going to be individually like their biggest fundraiser. Mm. Um, 
we do want to be the one that like champions them the most and and gets them to meet a new audience that, that's the thing that I find really special with our products is that we use them to facilitate those introductions and like we're a non-profit so we have no issue with you know if somebody buys a calendar and they discover a charity through it and they decide you know what next year I'm actually not going to buy an advent change calendar I'm just going to support this charity mm. um well then our job's kind of done because that's you know what what we're here to do yeah. um but the calendar for example you open a door every day um, and instead of finding like a little piece of chocolate um you'll find a charity so it might be someone like willow for example we use them again um and it'll say um today you've helped fund a special day for somebody who is terminally ill to spend with their children right, okay. um, or it might be like today you've given a blanket to a child living in a refugee camp or today you're given a, a hot meal to somebody who's experiencing homelessness. You know, um, every day it's something different. And um, that that thread runs all the way through all of our products. So the crackers, for example, um, you pull a cracker and instead of like, you know, a plastic bit of tap that you'll throw away within like 30 seconds of, of opening it, um, you get a, a, a card, like a really substantial card bauble um, that you can then hang on your tree, but obviously is recyclable. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that says the same thing. So today you've done X, Y, and Z. Um, but also actually in the in the crackers, we've got some lovely celebrity supporters and I've basically harassed them all to uh, <laughs> give us jokes. And so each one of the jokes has been supplied by a celebrity and they're all equally like dreadful, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, There's a low like, bar with cracker jokes, though, isn't there? Oh, you know, so. I, I think like the worse, the better. Um, <laughs> but we've got like um, Richard Branson, Ben Fogel, Harry Hill, Lorraine Kelly, Joanna oh, wow. Lumley. Great yeah. people that have given us um, their best bad jokes. So, um, yeah, if you want like a, a groan and a giggle, then they're the ones for you. <laughs> How did you get in touch with all these people, Christina? Was it just a case of cold calling or did you have some contacts that you could kind of use for that? Um, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did harass a lot of people on Instagram. It's like one of those, you know, I'd reach out to 300 people and one of them would reply. Right. Um, but it would be worth it, you know, because we don't have a budget as such especially that first year you know it was literally our budget was absolutely zero so um there was no way that we could pay for placements and things like that yeah, you know yeah. billboards and stuff like that so really if you look at the biggest like bang for your buck um things like celebrity endorsements using their networks are mm such a great way to do it because you're reaching like millions of people you know last year we had zoella support us um and she's got you know like six million followers on youtube like we sold out of our crackers within about two weeks really Um, that's amazing yeah how much would we have paid to reach six million people Mm. with you know a billboard for example like it's just not um so yeah we use uh, we use influencer marketing we also use um social media advertising so we, we pay for those placements um also google search placements and things like that um things that we can like target um so we make sure that we're never sort of wasting money it's all it's all quite targeted and, and we can sort of manage the response to that and the, the, the thing with that is you can like pull back quite mm. easily so if something's not working you just turn it off yeah. Um, not like committed. Um, but we do also invest heavily in press. Press has probably been our biggest investment, um, but our biggest reward. Mm-hmm. 
I said, again, it was that first year I, I cold called, like I Googled like top 10 PR agencies in the country. And uh, I was calling them on my lunch break. So I was working full time at this point. Oh, wow. And um, wow. I got to number four on the list. And um, I got through to a company called WPR. I just so it was like the stars aligned. Um, as I called in, um, the managing director was like walking past reception. And um, she happened to pick up the phone. And um, I was like, I've got this idea. And, you know, we've just got into John Lewis. And I think there's a story here. It's just me. Like, can you help? And um, they did it for free in that in that first year. And it was so lucky that I was that part of their kind of the, you've you've had like pro bono support them from PR and also from um, the kind of finance. What is it do you think that's kind of galvanizing them to give you this free support? Um, I, I think I mean I think initially it was I, I I had no help and it was you know they wanted to make this thing happen and they could see that it was really promising. You know, we've got like videos from Richard Branson. We've got a massive order from John Lewis, like things are happening. And yet we we couldn't fund the next step. It was it was a really difficult situation to be in because obviously I wanted to say yes to everything and, and make this thing happen. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I've not got 20,000 pounds to, you know, facilitate this John Lewis order. Mm. Um, and, you know, the the way that the John Lewis thing happened is mad as well, because I sent a presentation. I'm, I'm famous for my uh, really bad presentations. So I sent- Why a, are they bad? What do they look like? They're just so long. Like I can't, um, I can't trim down a presentation for the life of me. So I, um, I, had a, I sent a 60 page presentation oh into, uh, into John Lewis. And this was in August. And I now know that, you know, we have to sign off John Lewis February, like latest February. Oh, really? For the following the following uh, December? Oh, yeah. Like I'm talking to them now about next year. You know, there's, mm. you know, so August is like insane because they launch in September. And I, um, yeah, I sent a presentation in to uh, my, my partner's company um, works with the nursery department of John Lewis. So I basically begged and pleaded until he finally was like, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> so um, I sent a presentation in um, to like the assistant, assistant, assistant buyer in the nursery department of John Lewis um, thinking, you know, I won't hear back. And anyway, the next day I got a call from Dan, who's head of Christmas at, at John Lewis. What a um, great job title. Yes. Head of I Christmas. know. That's fantastic. I know. I know. Um, and um, yeah, he called and he was like, I love your idea. Can you come in tomorrow? And so I was like, yeah, sure, fine. Drop everything. You know, I'm working at this point. Luckily, um, I worked at a marketing agency called Denfield and um, they were really involved in the idea. They helped, you know, they did for free, like the designs and stuff. So my MD was like, yeah, go, like, go, you have to do it. Oh, so yeah. um, off I went, like I'm on like Dragon's Den. I was sat there like quaking, you know, in the reception, <laughs> holding like my bit of card. And um, we had 20 minutes with Dan. And in that 20 minute slot, he then canceled his next two meetings. And he was just sat there with like his head in his hands. And he was like, I love it, but I don't know if we can do it. Like I, I, the timelines, the fact there's no profit, you know, that they make no money on the calendars, which they've you know never done before. And um, yeah, so sort of left thinking, you know, oh, bless him. He really gave us the time of day, but it can't happen. And then, yeah, a week later, I got a call and he was like, so we've only done this twice. This is the second time we've done it in John Lewis's, you know, 150 year history, but we did it. We got it through and we did it in a week and it takes six months. It's a six month onboarding process. 
Then I had this massive order from John Lewis, which was going to cost me £20,000. Um, you know, I thought, you know, I was very nice putting in like £1,000 of my own money and then, you know, £20,000. I was like, God, I don't know, I'd have to like remortgage or something. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I went out to literally everyone I know. I can't believe I was this brazen because I'm not a very good salesperson, really. Um, but, you know, when it's for charity, you don't feel so bad. Sure. And um, yeah, so went out to everybody I know. Was it like a crowdfunding thing or something you did? No, I literally personally messaged everyone and said, you know, because it's too much money to ask anyone personally. So Mm. I just said, does anyone have any access to any corporate money that, you know, you can can help, you know, towards the end of the year, any budgets that you need to reallocate that you want to put towards like CSR, you know, Mm. anything I could think of. Um, And luckily, one of my really good friends, Trevor, he's um, head of a department within Savills. Um, the estate agency and so um they actually sponsored us to the tune of ten thousand pounds and then um yeah. he also reached out to one of their one of their clients um called octagon who gave us the other ten thousand pounds so um, yeah made that happen and then actually since then um we've been funded by a company called eq investors mm-hmm. um who you might have heard of um they also run giving is great um which is like you know helping people allocate like the, the highest impact um, when it comes to charity donations, they're amazing. Um, the guy who set it up called John, he's just been like the best supporter and mentor for the past three years. You know, we we don't basically make enough money on the products to keep ourselves going. And our goal is to make that happen. You know, it was actually to make it happen this year, but um, with Brexit and COVID and shipping and production, it's just not been possible mm. um and they basically kept us afloat every year so they've they've topped up um what that that bit that we're missing essentially but i guess for them they're able to fax that in as part of their csr corporate social responsibility and and then i suppose also are you able to talk to them in terms of the impact of that investment in terms of the wider context of what they're doing for all these charities that your 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 work is helping Oh, massively. And for them, honestly, they're just the loveliest supporter to have because they're never standing over my shoulder saying, you know, what have you spent this on? What are you doing this on? What's, you know, because they, 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 they get it, you know, Mm. in the fact that there's being such a small business, it needs to, there's so many places that it needs to fund that, you know, that, that would be impossible, but they're just amazing. And I, I guess from their point of view, you know, for every, Twenty thousand pounds they put in, we make two hundred thousand pounds for charity. Yeah. Um. And John is massively philanthropic. You know, he gives away so much of his own money personally mm. that um, mm. you know, for for them to to do that, they're just really happy with the return. Not to them, but no. just you know, to to charity. You know, I always say to John like that first that well, it was actually the second year. I just I, I hadn't anticipated Advent of Change becoming like I didn't anticipate a second year. I just yeah. did the first year we made nothing so on every product that we sold we made absolutely nothing um I hadn't factored in VAT so we actually then had to pay a massive VAT bill at the end of it I, I was so clueless um and I I got I argued that to the death you know we've gone through so many appeals and we've lost basically oh, really yeah we'd have to pay it but I was like it's a print product we don't have to pay it we're a charity this is horrible you know <laughs> um and on you know on one side I'm getting like an award from the prime minister saying you know fantastic amazing work on the other hand I've got HMRC like oh yeah can we have all of that money please (laughs) um so yeah I had a really like angry first year with that but you know um but basically I I hadn't worked out 
any sort of contingency plan. Mm-hmm. I just was like, we'll raise money in the first year and that'll be it. And then, you know, we got to the end of it and I was like, this is actually a massive responsibility. Like I have the ability now to every year raise hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't disappear. Like I, ha- I now have a responsibility to keep this going. So I need to be much smarter. We need to make sure that we're able to keep some of the funds from the product so that we can keep going. Mm-hmm. I need to get funding in place. Like I, I need to do that because the responsibility is greater than just, you know, if it happens, it happens. Like if we disappear, that fundraising disappears. Um, and so actually we had zero money. Like that that second year, there was nothing in the bank. Like I had to start again, basically. Um, and so they funded the whole thing, like all of our operations. Wow. And if it wasn't for them, you know, I, I always say like, you know, yeah, you know, I've, I've done the work there, but if it wasn't for them doing that, like it wouldn't have, how? Like, there, you know, there was there was literally no money um, to be able to do it. So um, yeah, no, super grateful to them. We know that there are around about 170,000 registered charities in the UK, I think, or even in England, Wales. Um, so even more in Scotland and Ireland. Um, so there is a huge abundance of charities, but you've, you know, and you're providing that you're opening this opportunity up to quite a few of them, but there's a lot more charities than there are able, able to kind of get involved in advent of change. How do you go through that kind of selection process? Oh, it's so hard. Honestly, this is the best and worst part of my job every year. Um, because it's just so different like and again it's not an issue that I anticipated having because in that first year you know I had to beg and plead to get 24 charities on board and then the second year I've got 300 applications wow. and you know I don't know where to start so luckily actually EQ investors because they have um giving is great which is this investment platform and advisory platform for charities um they really help so the first thing I do is I send all of the charity applications through to them um, and they will look through them and flag any that, for whatever reasons, they're not sure of. Um, so we have some criteria. So, for example, um, we like every charity to, well, everyone has to be registered as a charity in the UK. Um, we ask that everyone has been operating for three years. And then we ask that um, we don't actually support any religious or political charities, um, just because we feel like with it being Christmas, we sell Christmas products, it's already more excluding than we'd like it to be. Right. You know, we're super inclusive. We're not a religious company. Um, and so we thought that having religious charities within that made it more exclusive rather than sure. inclusive. Um, and so we send all of those charities through to EQ and they will advise us. So they'll help us wicket down. So they will be like, you know what, the finances aren't looking great um, for this year, you know, either they'll say to us, ask this question and that question, or they'll say, I'm not sure on this one. Mm-hmm. Or they might say, you know, they've lost five of six of their board in the past 18 months. Something's going on. Um, maybe let's hold out for this year. Um, mm-hmm. Or they'll be like, you know, they've got this massive bit of funding. I don't know what they've done with it. Can you ask them, you know, where this has gone? Um, and it's all really good stuff because we have to create the products so far in advance that um, we'd be in a really difficult situation if anything either came out about a charity in the press um, or if a charity went under Mm. between the time of us like creating the products and then being on the shelves. Um, 
you know, we'd be in all sorts of trouble if that happened. So um, we really need that sort of reassurance from them. And that level of like due diligence, it's, it's amazing. And there are a whole team of people that that do that. So we're so lucky. Again, they do that for us completely free of charge. Um, and so once those come back to me from 300, I might have like 70. Um, and then I have to pick 10. So oh, wow. it's still it's still really hard. Um, we, we basically have a system whereby we lose 20% of our charities and gain 20% of our charities every year. Mm-hmm. So it's 10 charity spots, basically. So we lose 10 and we gain 10 um, every year. So it's really hard. But, you know, we've got to do it. And we, we do it based on things like um, the sector of work that they work in. So we like to make sure that, you know, every sector is like proportionately supported so like children's charities health charities that kind of thing yeah yeah exactly um where they are in the world so you know we want to make sure that you know if you live in like manchester you're not opening up a calendar and everyone's based in london um likewise we like to have a certain amount of international charities um, we like to make sure that all charity sizes are supported um so we support everything from like you know massive organizations um like Tommy's and Marie Curie all the way down to like a four-man band that just do fantastic impactful work that nobody's heard of but we want to champion and so we like to make sure that there's an even spread based on all of those things and then obviously they they then have to fit those spots as well um so it might be that for example like you know there's a great children's charity but then we'd have to make the decision of like well we we already have a great children's charity for this year on that product how we put them on another product and if not then it might be that we look to support them next year instead um so yeah it's it's really hard well i mean i, I guess yes yeah, it's, it's inevitable isn't it because there are so many good causes and, and obviously you're you've been moved to start this off based on wanting to find a calendar for yourself. I know this is only one product now, you you know, the range is growing. And um, with, with Christmas being a time where I suppose a lot of people think about um, kind of charitable causes at Christmas and there's a lot of giving. There's some charities where the whole model is based on giving and volunteering at Christmas. Um, we've also got things like Giving Tuesday, which seems to be the, uh, the kind of antidote to that overwhelming consumerism of Black Friday and Cyber is it Cyber Tuesday? Is that right? Cyber Monday? So many. It's like Black Friday. I think I got an email saying Black Friday month. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, wow. It's just, I mean, they, they just want an excuse for a sale. It's like, just call it a sale. Well, that's like- <laughs> right. And I suppose then then also, you know, there's, there's kind of the, the counter to that is how we spend our money on good causes, trying to right some of the wrongs of society or supporting charities. Do you get a sense from the work that you're doing that, there is a, maybe an, any kind of growth of interest in finding ethical products and finding um, advent of change uh, products. Massively. I actually think that we launched just as that was taking off. I think we were very much in the right place at the right time. I think it's been like a really quick evolution. And I think it's just such an important movement as well. You know, and it's it's pushing all of those other companies I just think as consumers we have so much power like Mm. look at um you know plastic bags that happened like overnight and then suddenly you know we were using like 60% less plastic bags over the course of three months it was brilliant and I just think like you don't know what you don't know 
like as a consumer. But I think people are becoming more informed um, and are also being pressured to become more informed, you know, rightly or wrongly. Like I think it's having a good outcome. Um, I think companies are being questioned more and more. You know, for example, we are as well. You know, we are like the most ethical company you could imagine. But actually this year, we're getting lots of um, questions over the fact that, um, so our candle is a, a natural ca- candle because we didn't want to use a paraffin mm. wax, obviously oil industry, bad. Sure. Um, but it's made of um, rapeseed, soya and beeswax. And actually it's not vegan. And actually for the first time this year, we've had lots of questions about that. Um, right. and that, that it should be vegan. It should be vegan. And you know what? Like, I'd like to make it vegan. I, I didn't yeah. realize. And, you know, like, it's really important, like the consumers, if we can make it vegan for next year, like that will be a direct result of those emails that, that I've mm. had. And like, why wouldn't we make that possible? Like if we can. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm hoping that that consumers like realize their their power. And I think that's happening more and more. Um, and I think it's happening quite quickly. I hope it is. It needs to. Is it is it getting easier for you to create these um, different products from in an ethical way as well? Because obviously you'll have your own supply chain. Um, I mean, the I don't know the first thing about how you would go about putting together a product like this, even a calendar. But presumably, there is there was there pressure to kind of wrap it in in plastic and things like that. Was it a challenge to get it kind of made ethically? Yeah, it's really hard because um, these sorts of things like they're not. Um, it's not widely available. So like alternative materials aren't widely available. So you have to think quite innovatively and you do have to make compromises. So for example, um, our calendar, it's wrapped in potato starch, which oh, yeah. is it's biodegradable. It, cause we, need, we need protection on it. It can't just be a card product. It needs to go mm. on the shelf, we need mm. packaging. Um, so yeah, it doesn't look great is the problem. You know, it's it's like frosted and it's sprayed on the edges, but you know, that's a compromise that we've made because there's no way I was going to wrap it in plastic and, you know, support for environmental charities. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, but with some of the other products, like it was only actually last year that it became legal to not have plastic covering crackers. Like literally up until last year, it was a legal requirement because of wow. the safety, um, because of the safety aspect of it. Um, and you know, it's the same with our bauble, you know, if you look at, we needed to box our bauble and if you look at, um, any other bauble on the market, it's got a plastic film because you have to be able to see it, but it has to be in a box. So how are you going to do that? Um, and so we had to work to make it possible. And we basically have like a, we have like an aperture. Um, so it's, it's not as secure and, you know, we have had a couple of breakages because of Mm. that, um, but, you know, again, there's not a... It's the trade-off, not, I guess, isn't it? So yeah. having a more ethically packaged product. Massively. Yeah. And it's um, the, 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 the thing that is a struggle is that there's not um, widely available products that do the same job. Mm. So we have to think around it instead. It's not like we can go like, oh, we'll get the non-plastic plastic. You know, it doesn't exist. There's not like a clear version of something that is cheap to make and can do the same job otherwise you know everyone would use it um and if there is an alternative it's hugely expensive and i think um if we were making tons of profit on the products you know we could we could make those choices but because we're literally a non-profit there's nothing um we really have to think outside the box like literally the box (laughs) (laughs) that's brilliant 
And, and in terms of, um, I suppose our listeners will be uh, listening to this as I am thinking, well, where can they look at these products? Where can they maybe buy these products potentially? And John Lewis is the answer on, and on your website, presumably? Yes. Um, so yeah, please, if you're um, thinking of a, a kind of Christmas, we're, we're here for you. Um, so you can buy our entire range at adventofchange.com, which is our direct website. Um, it's mostly available at John Lewis as well. There's only one product that they're not stocking this year, um, and that's johnlewis.com and all of their stores nationwide. Um, and you can also find our lovely bauble in Waitrose, which is exciting. Um, I found it in my local Waitrose this week, actually. So I had a little pinch me moment. That was very cool. Christina Salciani, thank you for contributing to Charity Chat. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Big thank you to Christina Salcianu. I really enjoyed our chat and found it rather inspiring. Christina is clearly driven to make a difference and it's very gratifying to hear how she has overcome a number of hurdles to set up Advent of Change to raise over £500,000 for charities. I think there's a lot in Christina's story that we can all learn from and be encouraged by. For example, Christina spoke about wanting to make her products inclusive, ethical and environmentally friendly. We speak so much on the podcast and probably a lot in our own personal and professional lives about wanting to make an impact. Our impact now is more clearly than ever tied to the climate crisis that our entire planet is being impacted by. We're also consumers, all of us, making daily decisions about what we buy, what is what it's made from, and the wider context of how it is helping or hindering equality and equity in our society. Christina spoke about inclusivity in the context of selecting the charity's advent of change support, and it sounds like tough decisions need to be made to give all types of charity a chance to benefit and go some way in representing the diversity of our very diverse sector. The conundrum, though, of which charities to support may be all too familiar to many of us with our own philanthropic giving. When we're thinking about how we speak, write or communicate our charity message to others, let us consider what it is that moves us to give. Another thing that I found thought-provoking was Christina's method of seeking out pro bono support. Many of us working or supporting charities may have seen examples of this ourselves, Passion and enthusiasm backed up by clear thinking and a good idea can really galvanise others to spend their time and money in the hope of being part of something great. It sounds like Christina has experienced this and having met her I can understand that a big part of this success will be the strength of her personality. I think there's something to be said for all of us gaining confidence from self-work and understanding ourselves as much as understanding those we're seeking to support get support from finding causes to champion that sit comfortably within our own values and life priorities is surely a vital component of being successful in our work and in our lives too so thank you dear listener for getting this far with us we hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast we'd love to hear from you either way it's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors this episode of charity chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor fundraising platform work for good and the festive small business star match funding campaign this year there's a 50,000 pound match funding pod available head to www.workforgood.co.uk to sign up for free 
We'd also like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk and please do get in touch with us through the website if you have any questions, have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Forrester Fools have been playing throughout the show and are now playing us out. So thanks ever so much to them too. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.